Welcome to Deus Books. Join us on a journey into the heart of Catholicism through the most interesting reading, stories, and doctrines that the Church has to offer. Declaration on the Relation of the Church to Non-Christian Religions. Nostra Aetate, 28 October 1965. Proclaimed by His Holiness Pope Paul VI on October 28th, 1965. <laughs> so we're reading, a, we're reading another document from Vatican II. And another document by St. Paul VI. Yes. This uh, one is I like, though, because it's very short, teeny tiny. It's tiny. And it's about what does... It's really the first time ever... That something like this has been said. What does the Catholic Church think about all the other ma- major religions? Right. Are so, they wrong? Yeah. Are they right? Maybe. We don't know yet. Yeah, that's what this is about. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is a yeah, this is a, a pretty monumental document. Yeah, very uh, ruffled some feathers, I would say. Saint Paul the Sixth was very good at that. Yeah, but here's what's in- also interesting about this. I would. And you tell me if you agree. Okay. I would reckon that most Catholics don't know this, don't know what the church actually oh, thinks about other religions. Probably. I think they think they know. They think they think they know? Yeah, but I don't think they really know. They think they think what they know what the church thinks about what they think about other religions. That made no sense, but... <laughs> I have no idea what you said. Anyway. All right. So. If people only knew. Anyway. You, are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. All right. Let's find out what the Catholic Church thinks about other religions. We're going to read most of this document. That's yeah, very short. We're not going to go, not necessarily word for word, but 90% of this we're going to be reading. Buckle up. In our day, when people are drawing more closely together and the bonds of friendship between different peoples are being strengthened, the church examines more carefully its relation with non-Christian religions. Ever aware of its duty to foster unity and charity among individuals, even among nations, it reflects at the outset on what people have in common and what tends to bring them together. This is part of what... the what Vatican II is discussing is the church in the modern world. And I know we've said that before on past episodes, but this to reiterate that point, this council was important in telling people, hey, stuff's going on in the world, stuff's modernizing, stuff's changing, etc., etc. And here's how we deal with it. Yeah. And this is only a teeny tiny part of this council. Yeah. Like for just for context, my Vatican II book right here is five hundred and ninety-two pages long. This document is about four of those pages. Yeah. So it's a little blip. Little blip. Little little blip. Still important. Very important. Tiny but mighty. Yes. So here we go. Humanity forms but one community. This is because all stem from the one stock which God created to the entire earth, and also because all share a common destiny, namely God. His providence, his goodness, his saving design extends to all humankind. So I like that they start off with that. Because you could say, well, why is the church commenting on all these other religions? Well, there's why. We all have the same destiny. We are all created by God. So, correct. People, here's what they say next. 
people look to different religions for an answer to the unsolved riddles of human existence. Kind of a funny way of putting that, but the problems that weigh heavily on people's hearts are the same today as in past ages. What is humanity? What is the meaning and purpose of life? What is good behavior and what is sinful? Where does suffering originate and what end does it serve? How can genuine happiness be found? What happens at death? What is judgment? What reward follows death? And finally, what is the ultimate mystery beyond human explanation which embraces our entire existence from which we take our origin and towards which we tend? What I like about that is they said those same questions about the meaning of life essentially has been asked throughout all the ages and is being asked today. Yeah, and all it will it will always be asked. Yes, always. It's part of uh the human condition. Exactly. And that's what all these other religions are in ways trying to answer. That's yeah. what the church is saying is that people go to these right. religions to find these answers. Yeah. Throughout history to the present day, there is found among different people an awareness of a hidden power which lies behind the course of nature and the events of human life. At times, there is present even a recognition of a supreme being, or still more of a father. This awareness and recognition results in a way of life that is imbued with a deep religious sense. The religions which are found in more advanced civilizations endeavor by way of well-defined concepts and exact language to answer these questions. Thus, in Hinduism, so here they're getting into their first major religion. They're going to comment on Hinduism. In Hinduism, people explore the divine mystery and express it both in the limitless riches of myth and the accurately defined insights of philosophy. They seek release from the trials of the present life by ascetical practices which is like self-denial yeah. like um profound meditation and recourse to god in confidence and love so there you go we have sort of the gist of hinduism right there mm-hmm. at least from the church's perspective um they're seeking i like this let's let's hone in on this phrase right here yeah. they seek release from the trials of life so they're seeking, what, an answer to the challenges of life? Is that a way of rewording that, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, just, a, yeah, just a, a freedom from suffering. And the way that they sort of get this release is through meditation, through myth, and ascetic yeah. practices. Right. So, all right. Yeah, keep going. Buddhism, in its various forms testifies to the essential inadequacy of this changing world. I like this right here. It's saying that Buddhism believes that life is inadequate, which that is something that Christianity does agree with, is that the things of this world are not going to be enough. Right. It proposes a way of life by which people can, with confidence and trust, attain a state of perfect liberation and reach supreme illumination either through their own efforts or with divine help. So that's sort of the gist of Buddhism. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of break that down a little bit. It proposes a way where people 
can attain a state of liberation, freedom, or supreme illumination, like supreme insight. So this is what the Buddhists would call nirvana, correct? Right, yeah. And so that's what they're saying is that the whole goal of the Buddhist religion is to seek that state either through your own efforts with meditation or with God's help. Right. That's kind of how the church is. So too other religions which are found throughout the world attempt in different ways to overcome the restlessness of people's heart by outlining a program of life, covering doctrine, moral precepts, and sacred rites. So here's what the church says about it. The Catholic Church rejects nothing of what is true and holy in these religions. It has a high regard for the manner of life and conduct, the precepts and doctrines, which, although differing in many ways from its own teaching, nevertheless often reflect a ray of truth which enlightens all men and women. Yet it proclaims and is duty-bound to proclaim without fail Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life in him whom God reconciles all things. People find the fullness of their religious life. Right. So let's talk about this for a few minutes. Yeah. They basically grouped Hinduism and Buddhism together and made that statement. Is the Catholic Church saying that the, the, these two religions are wrong? Yes and no. Okay. Th- what the church would say is they're incomplete. Yes. So the church would say, yeah, it's great to try to, you know, it's 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 a, it's true that this life is insufficient, that this is not the complete, like we're not living in completeness on earth. It's also well and good to uh, practice asceticism and to be more disciplined and to, you know, avoid problems. But the church says... As Christ says, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I, yeah, I like that line. The fullness of religious life is in Christ. Correct. That's their statement. Right. Now, the, it says it rejects nothing true and holy in these religions. So if I'm trying to understand this, are there things that these religions get right? Yeah. Yes. Right. Are there things which are valuable? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, let's play a game here. I'm ready to play a game. All right. Based on this statement, you answer yes or no to my questions, right? And, and we'll, we'll do some review. Um, are, is Christianity the best religion, according to the church? Yeah. Is that how you get to heaven? Yeah. Can I get to heaven with Hinduism? At best, maybe. Yeah, isn't that tough? <laughs> they don't. They don't give a very clear yeah. answer in that regard. It depends. Let's wait. Let's stay with the yes or no. Okay. So we already kind of said it. Are there things that are good about Hinduism, Buddhism? Yes. Is it the fullness of religious life? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you. That's that's, that's all the detail the right. church is gonna. That's all they're gonna say. Right. Um. So. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I get I usually get this reaction when I when we when I teach this document. Um on one hand, it's a little bit more open-minded than I think people expect the church 
to be. I think most people expect the church to say, like, just all these religions are wrong. Yeah. Get, just completely. I mean, that's what the reputation would be. Yeah. On the other hand, I get people that are frustrated with the lack of clarity that that statement provides. Which is, yeah, I can see that. But what, I mean, it's not like the church can just go through line by line of yeah. Hindu doctrine and say what's right and what's it's wrong. It's not the church's <laughs> job to do that. It's like, so, hey, uh, so you want to be a bishop? Well, guess what? You're going to have to get a doctorate in every other religion Yeah. so you can teach people the faith properly. That. That's why I like the just the simplicity of the line. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Right. So at the end of the day, that's at what. the end of the day. You know, sure. Would it be? Is it you know appropriate to to take in you know or or respect certain practices? You know, for example, in Buddhism and even in Hinduism, like it said, meditation is paramount, especially in Buddhism. So, if you were like, yeah, you know, meditation's a good thing. These Buddhists, they you know, they like to meditate. The church would be like, yeah, you should meditate, meditate on scripture, meditate on, yeah, you know what what God's saying. Meditate on your life, meditate on nature. Meditation is good and healthy. Do it. So there's something. Oh yeah, look, the, you know, the Buddhists are really good at meditating. Well, let's see why. Yeah, and and, and, you and can, we could take that practice yeah, and, and incorporate use it. it. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's there's a tradition of Christians doing that. Right, that's what Thomas Merton did. Yeah, yeah. There's a tradition of Christians, you know, looking at the good of other things and incorporating it into Christianity because all that's good comes from God. Bingo. Yes. So and, if other religions are doing something good, guess what? It came from God. Yeah, I um. I find it odd. I, f- I find that people that are really turned off from like the Catholic Church or organized religion in general don't seem to feel that way necessarily about these Eastern religions. Right. And that's bizarre to me, but at, at the same time, I think it has to do with just the value people see in meditation. Yeah. And so one of the things I always try and say is like meditation is a legitimate practice it in is. the church. Yes. So, well, I think, I think the reason um, people like. Buddhism, for example, it's it's individualistic. That's yeah. where the church would have a problem with Buddhism. So up until the point where yeah, meditation is good, uh, you know, being free of worldly issues is is healthy. But the fact that Buddhism is more focused on the individual, that's where the church would say, yeah, no, it's it's about the community. Yeah. And so and the church will do that with with all the religions. Um uh, so each religion has its point where the church will be like, "And yep, that's where it no longer is true." Yeah. or good. And so yeah, you can celebrate the fact that meditation is fantastic, it's healthy, it's been proven to be good for your mental health as long as well as your spiritual health. But the fact that it's all about you not good. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to say this now. I I should probably it'd probably make more sense if I said it at the end, but I'm worried I'm going to forget it. But every, every time I'm like talking to people about, you know, the sort of church's view on other religions or, you, you know, one of the common questions is, how do you know you're right? How do you know the Christian yeah. church when you have all these other religions, especially if you think about 
the level of study it takes to really understand even just Christianity right. is it takes a tremendous amount of time and dedication and faith to like really understand what the church actually believes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, well, how do you know that your religion is right? If you haven't then taken that same effort and applied it to other religions. And my response is always this for me in the Catholic church, there's nothing missing there's nothing inadequate. I don't need right. to search for more. Like all of my questions exactly. are asked and answered yes. in the church. So it seems unnecessary for me to have to explore right. another religions if if I feel like that question has been answered thoroughly right. and completely in the church. It's like, yeah, if if you feel like meditation's missing, well, guess what? The church would say, meditate more. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, go to mass, but then go home and meditate more. Yeah, the church would have no problem with that. So yeah, I I like how you put that. Like you know, the, all these different components of these religions that are good, the church houses them. Mm-hmm. You can find them in the church, and over time, the church has incorporated them into the life of faith. Like those are good things, and that also gives me hope because that's where points of unity can happen. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, what do, what does me, the believer, take with all that information? Well, here's what they say. The church urges its sons and daughters to enter with prudence and charity into discussion and collaborations with members of other religions. Let Christians, while witnessing to their own faith and way of life, acknowledge, preserve, and encourage the spiritual and moral truths found among non-Christians together with their social life and culture. That's a very open statement, I think, by the church. The idea that you can encourage and preserve truths that might be more better expressed in... Yeah, that's a big deal. Or might be at least clearly expressed in another religion, that you can sort of embrace that. Yeah. So, there you go. Like I I I have some stuff to say in Islam, but that's what the next paragraph is going to cover. Yeah, when they go to the Muslim faith. Yeah. Yeah, this is a bit more interesting. All right, so number th- this is paragraph three. The church also has a high regard for the Muslims. They worship God, who is one living in subsistent, merciful, and almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, who has also spoken to humanity. They endeavor to submit themselves without reserve to the hidden decrees of God, just as Abraham submitted himself to God's plan to whose faith Muslims eagerly link their own. Although not acknowledging him as God, they venerate Jesus as a prophet. His virgin mother they also honor, and even at times devoutly invoke. Further, they await the day of the they await the day of judgment and the reward of God following the resurrection of dead. For this reason, they highly esteem an upright life and worship God, especially by way of prayer, alms deeds, and fasting. So we can just talk about that paragraph right there. What, like, what's the church essentially saying right there? That Muslims are very closely related to not only Christians, but indirectly also Jewish people. Yeah. And through Abraham. Yeah. And they don't directly say this, but I'm sort of reading into it. I would say that the church eh, 
sort of has a higher regard for the Muslim faith than, say, the Buddhist or Hindu faith. Well, yeah, because we're, in essentially, we're like cousins. Yeah, they worship the same God, that's clear. That's what the church is saying. They adore the one God, capital G. Yes. So the church here, and this is actually a debate within the, the Catholic community, is whether or not Muslims worship the same God that we do. The church here says they are. Yeah. They adore, keyword adore, which is reserved for God alone. They adore the one God. Yeah. Adoration is reserved for God. We don't adore the saints. We don't adore people in terms of worship. Like, oh, I adore you. Like, okay, yeah. But in terms of adoration, that's reserved for the divine. Only God is divine. Yeah. And so when they say here they adore the one God, that's it. When it comes to God the Father, they nailed it. Yes. When it comes to Jesus, okay, the they, they sort of missed it. Right. When it comes to Mary, they kind of nailed it. Not quite. Right. They're a little closer. Though. Yeah. So, the, so the, you know, and this is what I love about Catholicism, because Catholicism is reasonable. It looks at something and says, well, like you said, everything good comes from God. Where do I see God in this? Oh, I see it here. I see it here. I see it here. Awesome. Yeah. And the church here is saying, yeah, we should promote that. And so um, the, you know, what, one thing I greatly respect about Islam, a couple things, their devotion to prayer. Yeah. I mean, they publicly call to prayer five times a day. Yeah. Publicly. That's awesome. Like that's you know, and and uh, you know, you have the divine, you know, the liturgy of the hours. That's something that I would equate to, what's similar to what in Islam where you pray five times a day. The yeah. liturgy of the hours you pray several times a day, and it unites the church. Whereas five times a day, you're united. So I respect that they have a strong devotion to prayer. Like, that is a key component of their life. Yeah. Two, they uphold the standard. You might disagree with it. They uphold the standard. Yeah. And they, like, you know, in, 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 in normal society, they uphold the standard. You know, like, they, they fight with sports commissions on, you know, like, women that swim. You know, where there's regulation on what women can wear. Well, guess what? I need to be covered. And so yeah. they have fought with Olympic committees on wearing, you know, certain dress for swimming and or so, for playing any sport. Yeah, and so whether you think that's right or wrong, the very fact that they're willing to go to bat for yes. that is a I little bit admirable. I respect that yeah. immensely because I think we can take note from that. Because, you know, not to sound totally bombastic here, but I think we can Catholics can take note of that. Like, we can take notes from that and say, like, okay, they're willing to go to bat for what they believe in, in the public sphere, and they make no bones about it. Whereas we, this is Johannes's opinion, this is my opinion, we try to, like, weasel our way, like, well, we can do this, but we can't do that. It's like, nah. You know what else is interesting about that is that they don't seem to get the same level of critique that the church does for doing that. Correct. And I think that might be just because they're so unapologetic about yeah. it. Yeah. 
and and by the way, this is not me saying I wish the church would institute something like Sharia law. Right. Yeah. Like, that's not what we're obviously, like we disagree. With <laughs> yeah. That. But right. w- but we're saying like the the way that they're willing to fight for the what right. they believe are the standards of their faith is kind of admirable. It is. Ways. Yeah. And I think if we did that in general society, I think we'd be in a much better place. Yeah. Now, where the church would draw the line, much like you know where I was saying with Buddhism, it's like, well, it's solely based on the individual. Okay. Like you said, instituting something like Sharia law, the church would be like, no. Yeah, there, and whether, I don't know whether I... My instinct is this, and I th- and I'm pretty sure I'm kind of I'm not being uh, I'm pretty sure I'm being accurate when I say this. Within their doctrine, there is more willingness to impose their beliefs and morals and standards more so than the Christian religion would permit. In my yes. opinion, yes. I know historically that's definitely the case. Yes, but I also think it's it's within their doctrine a little bit. Yeah, more uh, definitely more so than Christianity. Well, well, historically also though, like they would prefer that you convert, but if you didn't, you either you you pay tax on it, or you were like barred from holding positions. There's or, consequences, for right? It. Yeah. In various degrees, some sects you were either killed, some sects you were, you know paid a tax, or so it depends on the flavor, if you will. But yeah, that's where the church would that's where the church would stop. It's like ah nope yeah. And so again, the church celebrates the fact they committed to prayer five times a day at least. They submit themselves to God like that's the whole goal. Islam is submission like. Uh, and and they're, they're, they go to bat for their faith. And you know, that's something we can take note of. I bet way more, I know this to be true, I, I bet there's an, way more everyday Muslims that are praying five times a day than there are lay Catholics praying 100% daily. agree. 100% agree. And so there is, there is value in that. Um as you said, there's something admirable about that. I got to point out next okay. what I think is the most hilarious line in all of Christian doctrine. <laughs> <laughs> Over the centuries, many quarrels and dissensions have arisen between Christians and Muslims. That's how, that's how they summarize <laughs> yes. the entire history. In, in, the, in this <laughs> in this version on their Vatican website. Since in the course of centuries, not a few quarrels and hostilities <laughs> have arisen between Christians and Muslims. I think they're referencing the years of crusading that we've Centuries of wars. <laughs> a couple quarrels. Wow. Talk about whitewashing history. Like, yeah, we got pissed at each other a couple times, you know. Got uh, kind of hot a couple times. That's one of my favorite lines. Jeez. <laughs> like... Yeah, they're, you know, we've we've gotten a little little hot toward each other lately. Yeah, we've had a couple spats here and there. <laughs> <laughs> we fought wars. Like, yeah. like, people died. So anyways, here's how they address that. <laughs> Moving right along. They say, the Sacred Council now pleads with all to forget the past and urges that a sincere effort be made to achieve mutual understanding for the benefit of all 
let them together preserve, promote peace, liberty, social justice, and moral values. Well, that's very nice. It's very nice. Forget the wars. Yeah, just forget about it. Let's all be happy. <laughs> Which, in the church's defense, what what other option do you have? I mean, right. You know? Yeah. Than that. You don't. Like, that. it's either you keep fighting wars. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's like if Francis called a crusade yeah. today. Take back the Holy Land. As oh. hilarious as I found that line, I don't know that there's another way to phrase it. Um, there really isn't. I mean, they they probably talked about that. Like, <laughs> listen, guys, how, <laughs> just say you know, there's been not a few quarrels. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. No, I agree with you. That is that is hilarious. And then here's kind of how they sum it up. Uh, the sounding the depths of mystery, which is the church, this sacred council remembers the spiritual ties which link the people of the new covenant to the stock of Abraham. So let, let's do a little biblical history here to explain that link that they're referring to, because they actually didn't. Oh, yeah, they skipped that. Part. So in the book of Genesis, Abraham, who's like the founder of Judaism, has um, part of his big plot is he can't have a kid. He's like too old to have a kid. Well, eventually him and his wife come up with this plan. Well, how about you sleep with your servant and um, and then she'll give you a kid, and then God is keeping his promise and whatnot. So Abraham sleeps with his servant, Hagar, and they have a son named Ishmael. Well, what happens after that is they kind of raise the kid, and then Sarah, gets Sarah, Abraham's wife, ends up getting pregnant, and she ends up kind of hating um, Hagar and Ishmael. Which was a human yeah. thing to do. Even though it was her idea. Right. But... <laughs> And so Abraham is like, man, she's driving me crazy. And then he just kicks Hagar and Ishmael out of the tribe. Peace. So Hagar and Ishmael go live in the desert. But God, feeling bad for them, makes it gives like special gifts of hunting and survival to Ishmael. And then he and Hagar go and they survive and they start their own tribe, which is the which is the islamic faith essentially right it's rooted in ishmael who is rooted in abraham right and so that is why we say you know they're one of the abrahamic faiths correct so so if anyone has any problems blame abraham yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay it's his fault for the few quarrels and hostilities They're gonna they're gonna move on to the Jewish faith now. All right. Um, anything more you want to say about the Muslim? No, faith? I think uh, yeah, I think I've said all of that. You said. Okay. So the Church of Christ acknowledges that in God's plan of salvations, the beginnings of its faith and election are to be found in the patriarchs, Moses and the prophets. It professes that all Christ's faithful, who as a people of faith are daughters and sons of Abraham are included in the same patriarch's call and that the salvation of the church is mystically prefigured in the exodus of God's chosen people from the land of bondage. Anything you want to say there first? Or you want me to just keep going? On this account, the church cannot forget that it received the revelation of the Old Testament by way of that people with whom God in his inexpressible mercy, established the ancient covenant. Nor can it forget that it draws nourishment 
from that good olive tree onto which the olive branches of the Gentiles had been grafted. The church believes that Christ, who is our peace, has through his cross reconciled Jews and Gentiles and made them one in himself. And they quote Ephesians to back that up. Should I keep going or you want to talk there? No, I think it's, this is one of the big things that the Second Vatican Council did in terms of the church's relationships with Judaism is seek to reconcile it. Mm -hmm. And this is part of that. This document is part of that. I mean, it, you know, like they even changed the prayers. I think they, I believe they changed the prayers on, on Holy Saturday involving the Jews. I could be wrong. But there was yeah, there is this new and and every pope basically since Saint Paul the Sixth has made an effort to reconcile any quarrels that may have existed between the two faiths. Not a few of them either. Not a few. <laughs> Not a few, yeah. And yeah, so kind of in that paragraph right there, the church is saying that we Christianity is in a way like we owe our heritage is in the yeah, Jewish faith. That's that's undeniable. Yeah, it's like our story doesn't make sense without the Jewish faith. Exactly. So that link is let's play the true or false game again. True or false. The link between Judaism and Christianity is stronger than Judaism or than Christianity and the Muslim faith. True. Yeah. I would say so based on this. Yeah. I mean, well, Jesus was Jewish. Right. That's you can't argue that. He grew up. He did everything that a Jewish person did. Yeah, and and what's also interesting is the first Christians considered themselves Jewish. Right. They were the first, like the the count that that unofficial Council of Jerusalem. Right. I don't think it's considered an official council, but it basically I was, refer to it as the first council. It, they were debating on if converts need to be circumcised and follow the you know the Mosaic law. And that's what essentially starts the divide between Judaism and Christianity, which which it gets kind of solidified by the Roman government yeah. around the year like 100-ish. Right. So you had almost a whole century of Christianity where Christians were just considered a subsect of Judaism. Right. Like the Pharisees were, or like the Sadducees, or yes. like the Essenes. Um and but it really was the Council of Jerusalem, the idea about could Gentiles convert into the faith that really sort of mm -hmm. starts the and divide. What, right. And what were their requirements? Yeah, but it's not a Christian divide. No. You know? Um so yeah. Likewise, the church keeps ever before in mind the words of the apostle Paul about his kin. They are Israelites. And it is for them to be sons and daughters to them belong the glory, the covenants of the giving law, the worships and the promises to them belong. The patriarchs of their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, the son of the Virgin Mary. It is mindful, moreover, that the apostles, the pillars on which the church stands are of Jewish descent, as are many of those early disciples who proclaimed the gospel of Christ to the world. Yep, undeniable fact. Undeniable fact. So, as Holy Scripture testifies, Jerusalem did not recognize God's moment when it came. Jews, for the most part, did not accept the gospel. On the contrary, many opposed its spread. 
Even so, the Apostle Paul maintains that the that the Jews remain very dear to God for the sake of the patriarch, since God does not take back the gifts he bestowed mm. or the choice he made. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, that's kind of it's kind of complicated to understand what the church is saying. Like, on one hand, they're saying that many of the Jewish like the Jewish faith in general, in a way, is like rejecting the gospel. Yes, but at the same time, God does not take back the gifts He bestowed, and God chose the people right. of Israel. So, where does that leave us? Well, if you look at you know the Old Testament, God doesn't take things back; He gives things more. He gives things on top of you know the whole. You know, New Testament is is basically the narrative of God gives, the Israelites reject. God gives more, Israelites reject. God gives more, Israelites reject. That's the history, and so in a sense, the Israelites, you know, the you know the ancient Hebrews rejecting Christ is just, is a part of the history, is, and so, you know. That's why I think St. Paul is perfectly right to say, yeah, I mean, this is, and that's why the church is right to say that God, you know, doesn't reject them. It's just God gave them Jesus. They rejected Jesus. And that's, that's just what it is. So in terms of a Christian's relationship with a Jewish person, it, it should be respectful. It should be fraternal. Because, you know, there, there are, you know, brothers and sisters. Yeah. They, they say some more important stuff. Um, this I'm going to bring up for a reason. Um, since Christians and Jews have such a common spiritual heritage, this council wishes to engage or wishes to encourage and further mutual understanding and appreciation. This can be achieved especially by way of biblical and theological inquiry and through friendly discussions. The reason I wanted to highlight that, it's kind of an inconsequential line, but that line is actually what starts a really fruitful relationship of biblical study between Christians and Jews. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of the textbooks I had in, in graduate school, especially stuff on the Old Testament, were Jewish scholars. Yeah. And that was not that would not have been possible no, before this council. Absolutely not. Because there is a divide. Yep. And even one of my professors was a rabbi. Yeah. Um, and so that that goal right there has actually been achieved yeah. because of that line. We sort of extended this olive branch and the Jewish community accepted it. Yeah. And it, I mean, yeah, who would know better about the Old Testament, which is basically the Hebrew te- uh, scriptures? Than Jewish people. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's like, it's like a, you know, Hindu, like trying to learn about the Bible from other Hindu sources. No, they (laughs) would be like, hey, Christians, tell us about your Bible. Right. You know, it just makes sense. And again, this is, you know, the church being reasonable. I think so. That's what I love about the church. You know, the church is is on a learning journey. God has revealed himself through sacred scripture and sacred tradition. The Holy Spirit works through these councils. 
you know, every so often, not so often really, it's kind of rare, but every now and then there's this council where, okay, we need to take a pause. We need to look at what's going on and how we relate and move on. And so this is this is a part of that that movement of the Christian life. And so it, to me, that's immensely attractive. Because if you don't do that, you know, I kind of talked about this in the you know Benedict option. If you don't do that, you turn into the Amish. Yeah. You just close yourself off. You know, you, you turn into this, you know, sect where you're like, yep, I'm not participating in this. I'm over here. You're over there. And that's precisely opposite of what Christ told us to do. Yeah. yeah. In the world, not of the world. Christ precisely told us to be in, to be a part of. Not to be made of it, but to be in it. And so these councils are important. And so documents like these, as short as they are, are important because they help us become more complete. Yeah, for sure. And that's where, with all due respect, where some Christian denominations get it wrong because they refuse to do this. And that's why, again, I think if you know, I was looking for faith, like the Catholic faith. I mean, it's the most reasonable, in my opinion. I'm biased, but in, I mean, just based on the documents, based on the teachings, based on observation and in, in relation to the world, it just it makes the most sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I think so, but I'm also biased. So. <laughs> Aren't we all? Uh, so here's uh, another important point. Even though the Jewish authorities and those who followed their lead press for the death of Christ... Neither all Jews indiscriminately at the time nor Jews today can be charged with the crimes committed during his passion. That is really important because... That's a big deal. Because that also, again, I think that's uh, something that certain evangelicals really like get wrong, is this idea that the Jewish people killed our Savior. Well, even Catholics... Yeah, some up just, until this, and some even today would argue that no, the Jews are responsible for the death of Christ. What I tell people is, no, it wasn't the the Jewish community; it was all of us. It was you and me yep. and everybody that came before that's us. Why, we killed him, right? That's why at, at Good Friday service, you know, during the Passion reading, it's the congregation that says, "Crucify him." Right? Yes, I love I love that. There's a reason yeah. for that. Because it's, you know, every time we sin, we give reason for the crucifixion. Exactly. We give, we give, we provide a need for the crucifixion. And so, yeah, you know, it's just, it just so happened that in this time and place, that's how it happened. Yeah. And here, here's what the church says. They said the church always held and continues to hold that Christ out of infinite love, freely underwent suffering and death because of the sins of all, so that all might attain salvation. It is the duty of the church, therefore, in its preaching, to proclaim the cross of Christ as the sign of God's love and the source of all grace. So there it is. First of all, none of us forced Christ to die. He freely chose it, which is why it's the ultimate gift of of love and and self. Right. Yeah. That that's an important that that to me is one of the most important lines on this whole Jewish I would agree um, sort of dialogue that they're engaging in and right. 
and really here's what happens uh they they wrap it up here let me finish out the document and then we can kind of talk about it but they say in the last paragraph we cannot truly pray to god the father of all if we treat any people as other than sisters and brothers for all created in God's image. People's relation to God the Father, the relation to other men are so dependent on each other that Scripture says, they who do not love do not know God. Yep. Therefore, there is no basis for any theory or practice which would introduce discrimination between individuals or people with respect to their human dignity or rights. And basically more of that. Bingo. And that's the end of the document for the most right. part. It's... So yeah, if basically if anyone that argues that the the church is hates a religion, you show them this document because you know you have to, and this is the, this is why it's so important for us to be good examples, to be witnesses, because you know. The, the quote normal person isn't going to Vatican.va to read all the documents of the church to see what she teaches. Right. We are the ambassadors of the faith. And so if we are hateful, not charitable, that is scandalous. The, so yeah, if we're not charitable toward other you know, religions, that's scandalous because then people think, oh look, the church hates other religions when in fact it's not true and there's no higher source than this document this is this is church teaching yes yeah anyone that disagrees with this document in essence you can debate how it's practiced but in essence is is not in line with church teaching right and so yeah i think more people, I think it's important for this stuff to get out. It's as short as this document is, and it's very short. It's one of the most important documents that came out of Vatican II. Yeah, and I think a lot of the reasons people, one of the big reasons people don't like the church is because they feel it's too exclusive or or too, um, what should I say, too dismissive of other religions. Right, yeah. And I, I think that this is remarkably open yeah and stuff like notice what is not said in this document it does not say these this religion is going to hell because yeah. they're wrong they didn't say that the church doesn't have the authority to say that right because ultimately god is the one who's going to make that judgment yes. what they're saying here is according to us we think that christianity is the best way to have the fullest relationship yes. with god Right. And in our opinion, these other churches or these other religions miss the mark in varying degrees, but they also get stuff right in Absolutely. varying degrees. And there's stuff we should take notes from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's stuff we can learn from yeah. from these other religions that can help us get closer to God. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, yeah, this is a very, this is a beautiful document. And it's, yeah, you can access this uh, anywhere. Yeah. It's and fully. it's one of the more accessible documents from vatican i think anyone can True. read it it's not it's, dense it's, it's not dense it's only five pages long it's you know it's very it's it's very accessible yeah we just read the whole thing we did i skipped maybe a couple lines here and there but we basically just read the whole thing so right 
So yeah, I think um, it's important to celebrate truths. Truth is the like that. That's the the church. Her role is to bring us closer to truth, which is God Himself. And so the church's great charge is to bring people the truth. And what is a way to do that? Well, to acknowledge truths that exist, period. So if someone who's a Buddhist is meditating well, the church will say, good on that, good on that Buddhist. He's meditating well. Hey, Christian, you should be meditating. Yeah. You know? Hey, maybe you can ask that Buddhist some some tips and tricks on how to meditate. You know, or or on prayer. Hey, you know this this Muslim prays five times a day at least religiously every day. We're called to do the same thing. Maybe you can ask them some tips and tricks on how to stay consistent in your prayer. The church would promote that. Yeah. And, it, and I think uh, a good Christian would pursue that because, you know, we live in a, especially in the United States, we live in a great melting pot where we, we are interacting with all these different faiths. And so, yeah, this is absolutely, you can absolutely ask a Buddhist some meditation tips and ask a Muslim, hey, you're praying all the time. How do you stay consistent with it? That's that should be a we should you know to use a modern relevant term we should normalize that. 100%. Yeah, I think there would, yeah, I think it would do all of religion a, a a better service if that were to yep if that was the culture more than sort of like they're wrong, yeah, and, and that's it kind of thing. That doesn't get us anywhere. Yeah, and so that's why I like this document, and and I do I also like it because my bias kicking in here. They still hold true to the fact that we believe Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. Like it's not scandalous to me in no. terms of what the Bible right. seems to it teach. It still proclaims Christ as the way to salvation. Right. So there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else we need to say about? No, this I doctor? think that's. I think we we've covered it pretty much all. Nostra aetate. The, re- the relation of the church to non-Christian religions. Yeah, and this is from St. Paul VI. It's, uh, it's, it's an important document. You can get it to it online. Uh, super quick read. Not hard to understand. So check it out. And, uh, yeah, hopefully that's this will help you be more at peace with being Catholic. There you go. I like that. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us again on Deus Books. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Bye.